Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. Well, let's pray as we study God's Word tonight. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your Word, and we do so in the precious, holy name of Jesus. May your Spirit spirit be our teacher and be our guide tonight. May He give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and minds that are open. May your words penetrate our lives in such a way so as to change us from glory to glory, that we conform to the very image of Jesus, for we know this is your will for our lives. And that we begin to walk like him, talk like him, act like him. Conduct ourselves in such a way as to honor you and glorify you in the earth, in our earth walk. That we might shine as lights and vessels of honor. Meet and prepare for the master's use. That Father God you could use us as we make ourselves available to you. To carry out the purpose of your will and touching hearts and and changing lives everywhere we go. Father, we thank you for these blessed truths manifested in each of our lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. We're talking about the subject of prayer uh, during our Wednesday evening services. And so we're going to continue. I believe this is lesson six on prayer. And uh, our, our main text have been Ephesians 5 and verse 18. And that verse talks about uh, prayer being a part of our Christian armor. Praying all, with all prayer and supplication. So all prayer meaning there's all kinds of prayer. But then also in James chapter 5 and verse 16. And the Amplified Bible talks about the effectual, fervent, heartfelt prayer of a righteous, righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Notice the latter part there. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So through prayer, we can make tremendous power available to do the work of God. Well, tonight I want to share with you about the prayer of praise and worship. I know that Jesus taught Paul the gospel and I know that he taught him about prayer and also praise because Paul talked about prayer and praise kind of going together. And we see not only did he teach it, but he practiced it and he lived it because when he was in prison with Silas, what happened? They prayed first and sang praises to God. And the outcome was wonderful. Prayer and praise produced power that produce tremendous results in their lives. And that's how God wants us to conduct ourselves. Amen? Praise God. So we're going to talk about prayer, the prayer of praise and worship, and how important it is for us to experience the power of God in such a way so as to do wonderful things in our lives. And the first one, as we're going to put up there just for you to see, is victory in the time of battle. Have you ever been in a battle? Well, do you like victory or do you like defeat? I like victory, don't you? Absolutely. We all want to win. We all want to have victory in our lives and overcome whatever obstacle comes our way. But victory in the time of battle. Now, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, look at these two verses. Here's the setting. Uh, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah gets wind of the fact that they're going to be attacked by three armies and they're coming with the intent to wipe them off the planet. As a result, of course, there's concern, deep concern on his face in his life. He calls for a fast. And so he gathers all the, the men with their wives and their children. They gather together and they fast and they wait upon the Lord. And he begins to pray. 
And he reminds God of his word and what he said and says, God, this is what you said for us to do. And so we humble ourselves and we're here before you. We're no match for all this army coming against us. And really, there are many things we face in this life. We're no match for those things that we face or encounter in this life. But he said, our eyes are upon you. We're looking to you for victory. Our eyes are on you. And so after he got done praying, the spirit of the Lord fell upon the prophet. And then he basically said, look, you don't have to fight in this battle the victory is yours. God's fighting. The victory is yours. So when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, wouldn't that be wonderful if it said it as they began to murmur and complain, everybody would have victory. No, as they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments. Hmm. Who can do better than that? Against the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. See, sometimes I think when we talk about praise and worship, uh, many just get the idea we're just singing some songs. And I can understand that because when we gather together at church service like this, we sing songs. But true praise and true worship is not the singing of a song. It is something that begins on the inside of us. It is having a revelation of the goodness and greatness of God. It's having an understanding of His great works that He has done for us. And there is such a deep appreciation for who He is and what He has done that all of a sudden, you see, it rises up out of your spirit and you begin to praise Him. Now, it could be with the song, and that's wonderful. All they sang was a very simple song. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. All of a sudden, what happened? The power of God descended upon them and destroyed the work of the enemy. They destroyed one another. So because of praise and worship that they attached to their prayer, like what happened? Victory came in time of battle. We've got to take heed to that. Because too often when we find ourselves in a battle, what do we end up doing? Murmuring, maybe complaining a little bit. Why is this happening to me? Etc., etc., etc. But, you know, we need to know our God well enough to do exactly what they did. They sought the Lord. They put their eyes on Him and said, we're looking to you. And when they got word... God gave him a word and said, this is what I want you to do. They just began to worship and praise God, saying he was good, his mercy endures forever. And God fought for them and God defended them and brought victory into their lives. Now, secondly, anybody want a breakthrough? Anybody looking for a breakthrough, number two? Everybody wants a spiritual breakthrough, right? And sometimes there's walls that are set up before us that try to prevent us from breaking through and getting into what the blessings of God are for our lives. And you know when you're there sometimes, it's just like, it just had that little bit more help that you can get through that situation to the other side. Well, in the book of Joshua, chapter 6 and verse 20, look at what it says. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city. Their blessing was inside the walls that were so fortified that they couldn't get through. They needed to break through to get to where the blessing was. But these fortified walls, have you ever been there before? But it seems like as though there's some fortified walls that's stopping you from getting through and getting your victory. 
And so what happened here? Shouting was the end of it all. If you back it all up to chapter 5 and, and read all chapter 5 and 6 of Joshua, the first part of 6, you find out that God taught Joshua how to teach the people faith and how to get into the promised land. He said, look, you've got a covenant with God. First of all, your enemy's defeated. Secondly, you've got a covenant with God. Thirdly, remember where you're at and how you got out from Egypt and how you got here because of the mighty hand of God who brought you out. Fourthly, know that it's a brand new day. This is a brand new day of salvation. Man is stopping. It's a brand new day. Five, you're not on your own. The host, the angel of the host of the army, the living God is there to help you on your side, to defend you, to see to it that you get into your promised land. Number six, I've already given you the land, he said. Number seven, whatever he tells you to do, just do it, even if it sounds illogical. So he told them, walk around the city walls once every day for seven days. On the seventh day, go seven times. Of course, God's perfect number is seven. But notice at the end of it all, what were they to do? Shout the praise of Almighty God. Ark of the Covenant going before them and shouting the praise of God. You sure that shout is praise? Absolutely. Look at Psalm 47 verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. The shout is the voice of triumph. Victory. Breaking through. Hallelujah. So in other words, our praise and worship has got to have its, its roots in faith in what we believe. Look at Psalm 134. Can you pull that up, Psalm 134? Look at the, what this verse says. Do you ever think that you could do this? Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord, the Lord had made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. We've been told to bless the Lord. We bless him? I thought it was he who blesses us. How do we bless him? My goodness. Think about that. You bless him by exalting him. By worshiping him. By praising him. By venerating him. By honoring him with words, hallelujah, that declare his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his loving kindness, his power, his ability, his faithfulness to his promises. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We worship you. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We bless your holy name on high. We extol it. We give you glory and honor. And before you know it, you get so full of faith in who God is and what he's done and his mercy and his grace. It comes deep from within your soul. It's not just a song. It is a song from your heart that praises his holy name. And so whether it's a shout, shout to the Lord because you've, you've had this revelation, it's a form of praise to God that does what? Breaks through the walls. The walls that keep us out of our blessings. Sometimes you've got to shout your way in. It's like tunneling through a mountain. Or just blow the mountain completely away. Number three. So not only do we have a victory in battle, a breakthrough as we learn to praise and worship God. But also we, get, we, we see we can get freedom. Freedom comes. Liberation comes. As we learn to truly praise and worship the living God that we serve. And here's where we have Paul and Silas uh, in Acts chapter 16, 23. 
And we know that they're taken into prison. We know their feet are fast with stalks. And we know they're in chains. And their innermost prison, which is a horrible place to be in. The stench of it all. The filth of it all. Just, just You can't even begin to imagine what they were living in. And now, with all the germs, the bacteria, and all the thing that's going on around them, they're, they're bleeding. Their backs are bleeding. And they've been whipped and everything. So they're in that awful place. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stalks. And at midnight, at the midnight hour of crisis, at the midnight hour, when it seems like as though that this is it, man, this is the end, we're done. Paul and Silas prayed and and sang praises to God. You've got to have a revelation to do that under those circumstances. Think about it. They prayed and sang praises to God and the prisoners heard them. Well, the prisoners were not the only ones to hear them. Remember we were told many times even by Jesus saying, Rejoice and be glad when you're persecuted for righteousness sake and for my name's sake. Rejoice and be glad. What? What? Whipped, beaten, thrown into the inner prison. They did exactly what he said. They were rejoicing and praising him for suffering shame for his namesake. And as they did that, suddenly, don't you love the suddenlies? Suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bands were loosed. Freedom, victory, praise God. You know what? It takes a whole lot for a person to school himself into faith to praise God in the most difficult place of his or her life. There has to be a revelation of God's saving grace, healing grace, delivering grace, His power, His love, His mercy, His compassions that fell not over our lives. And we get that full revelation of it and we find ourselves in this difficult place instead of sitting back feeling sorry for ourselves, etc., etc., we just begin from the innermost part of our being to say greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world and you begin to praise him and bless him and thank him and worship him out of the depth of your soul it begins to flow and what happens once again his power descends upon you rises up within you and gives you freedom liberates delivers sets us free praise God number four deliverance deliverance. 1 Samuel 16, 23. It came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul. Now remember, God has no evil spirits. All that is saying is God removed his hand. Evil spirit came upon him that David took in harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him. I guess he didn't like David's playing. Right? So you see this. There can come upon even God's people a spirit of oppression. Or in some cases, deep depression. As a matter of fact, when we encounter difficulties in this life, it's very easy for people to be overwhelmed and overcome by emotional feelings. If those emotional feelings are undealt with, then they can lead to things that are not good in that person's life. We're talking about feelings like tension, feelings like anger, feelings like anxiety, feelings like bitterness. 
or dismay or discouragement or deep depression and the list goes on all these feelings and all these emotions and it's like a cloud that's over top of a person's life how many know he gave us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and when that spirit of heaviness tries to manifest itself in our lives if we'll but begin to once again go to the word of God and find out the importance and the power of praising and worshiping God even in the midst of a difficult situation that that praise and worship can cause the enemy to go to flight and bring deliverance into that person's uh, life now what happens with some people if they don't deal with their emotional feelings for example you take someone like uh, Cain jealousy rejection didn't know how to handle it and what happened it led to some evil he killed his brother see unresolved and undealt with feelings and emotions can lead people into a path of life for example drug addiction alcohol addiction self-pity victim mentality could lead them into um, a lifestyle of evil and wrongdoing committing crimes uh, robbing banks it could lead them to a place to where they might even be suicidal have a nervous breakdown etc etc why they can't handle the pressures of life see they're not dealing with those feelings and emotions in the correct way now you know that we all have them we all have feelings and emotions and David said I've got to learn to be weaned from mine as a child is weaned from its mother we must learn to be weaned from our emotions we've got to tame those emotions well what happened to Cain he didn't do it which resulted in the killing of his brother you see when we sense that coming upon our lives and maybe it seems like as though that we are being overwhelmed with all of what's going on in our lives you know whether it's our family life, whether it's in our health, or whether it's our finances, or our children, etc., etc., and our nation, what we see, what's happening, and in, in all that, uh, we need to learn to turn to God, and God wants us to put on the garment of what? Praise for the spirit of heaviness, and lift our voice to God, right in the midst of the storm, right in the midst of those feelings and emotions, and just begin to worship God and praise God and do what? Bless His holy name and don't forget one benefit you see the reason why we forget the benefits because our emotional feelings are so real to us it seems like as though that God is at a distance and there's so much separation between us and him that maybe he can't hear he doesn't know what we're going through but if we'll learn to school ourselves in a true act of worship and praise before God I'll tell you what if we'll learn to do this before trouble comes then when we encounter difficulty we're already schooled in it we know what to do like Paul and Silas did and look at the victory that came in their lives. And then uh, number five, Revelation. In 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 15, here we have the prophet Elisha. Revelation, in other words, we can place ourselves in an atmosphere that's conducive to God speaking to us or God manifesting his spirit and spiritual gifts. Elisha speaking says, but now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches, for thus saith the Lord, ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, that ye may drink both you and your cattle and your beasts. 
and this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. Now, when you hear something like that and you're in a difficult place, I'll tell you what, that's good news. Wouldn't you say? But how did that revelation come? How did God speak? Why did God speak? He brought the minstrel and the minstrel played. And when he played, all of a sudden, the spirit fell and there was revelation and God spoke to the prophet. Praise God. You see, even in a church service, as we really come together and truly worship and praise him from the heart, it's not just so that we can sing some songs. It's truly your heart pouring out to God and praise and adoration for who he is and what he's done. And really putting yourself in a position or in an environment where all these things can happen in our individual lives and also collectively as a church body. It gives place to spiritual manifestations. Look at Acts 13 and verse 2. We see the same thing happening here. Speaking of uh, these individuals that were gathered together to set apart Paul and Barnabas. And as they ministered to the Lord, ministering to the Lord is praising him, worshiping him, exalting him in that atmosphere and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. Notice the Holy Ghost said. I'll tell you what, when you hear from heaven, it produces faith in your heart. When you hear from heaven, you've got direction from above and guidance. When we hear from heaven, we know exactly what to do, what God's plan is. And all we have to do then is carry it out. And so the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work we're into, I've called them. And that's exactly what they did. And of course, success was had. And then number six, judgment. Judgment. Here's another manifestation of the Spirit of God. Uh, when people praise and God inhabits our praises and, and shows up on the scene. It can also manifest in judgment as far as uh, the enemy is concerned. Look at Psalm 149. In Psalm 149. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. You know, sometimes you may start off, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. But I'm telling you, the more you stay with it, and the more you continue praising Him, and He knows it's not just you reciting words that have no, no root uh, of faith in them. And you really are praising him. You are blessing him. You are worshiping him. Have you noticed that when you start doing that, maybe right, it's right down here right now, but before long it becomes the high praises of God that is coming up, bubbling up out of your spirit and just flowing out of your soul and through your lips. You're magnifying God and all of a sudden the spirit of God manifests himself. The power of God is in, in manifestation. That's what true worship and praise should be all about. That we get to that place. But here, notice what it says it'll, it'll do. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth, the two-edged sword in your hand, to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments unto the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all his saints. So what? Praise ye the Lord. You could say he's giving us a revelation of the fact that when you and I worship God, he inhabits our praises in such a way so as the enemy is defeated and the enemy is confounded. Look at Psalm 18. We saw that happening with Jehoshaphat where they got so confused and so confounded that they killed each other off. But now here, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Don't you love these words? Listen to what David is saying. 
I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. A revelation that it's not in my strength, but it's in his strength that I'm either going into battle or I'm doing what I'm doing. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Hallelujah. What a revelation of who God is to him. See, that's where praise comes from. When we know that's who he is and we know he's on our side and he's all those things to us, then, next verse, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Who is worthy to be praised. I praise you, my strength. I praise you, my rock. I praise you, my buckler. I praise you, my strong tower. Hallelujah, my salvation. I praise you, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Hallelujah. I'm preaching better than you're shouting tonight. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. So, how you, when are you going to get saved, your enemies? When you shout the praise of Almighty God, having a revelation of who He is in your life. And He's bigger to you than the problem that's staring you right in the face. You're not denying the mountain there. You're speaking grace to the mountain. The name to the mountain. The blood of Jesus, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And then finally, healing. Look at, Psalm, uh, look at uh, Matthew chapter 8, healing. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. He just got done preaching and teaching the Sermon on the Mount. Dare I say it again tonight? <laughs> I said it Sunday. I'll repeat it tonight. When he was senator, our senator said, which scriptures would you choose to use to guide public policy? Would you choose to use Leviticus that suggests slavery? Or would you choose to use Deuteronomy that suggests stone your child for straying from the faith? I'm quoting. Or would you choose to use the Sermon on the Mount? A passage so radical that our defense department couldn't stand under its applications. So the senator said, in other words, if you want to be guided by the Bible, that's what you're in for. Basically putting it down and calling the greatest teaching ever, Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, radical. Mm -hmm. But yet called the Holy Bible, he called the Quran the Holy Quran. And of course, he became our president. He's our sitting president today. And that's his view. And that's what he thinks about the Bible. You can look it up for yourself. It's very plain. Amen. So, in this Sermon on the Mount, when he got done with it, he came down from the mountain. Great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and did what? What did he do? He worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. But I want you to see what God in the audience. 
with Jesus. See, when we say worship, it's not like he was running around like this. He got on his face, probably his knees, or prostrated himself on the ground before his feet. Possibly even, who knows, maybe touched his feet, I don't know. But he was there lying right there, either bowed on his knees before Jesus. Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. After he worshipped him. And not only he, he's not the only one. When you think about Jairus came to Jesus and worshipped him. And his daughter was raised from the dead. The Syrophoenician woman came, bowed at his feet and worshipped him. And her daughter was delivered of a demon. Demon powers. So in other words, we can go to him. And we can worship him. And we can present ourselves to him even for healing. But the way to get there, through worship and praise, honor him. And there's nothing more important, I believe, in my heart with regard to our salvation and with regard to healing and deliverance than our getting a revelation of the price that was paid to make it possible. It's not a twisting of God's arm. You see, it is a revelation of the sacrifice that was made to make it available. And you know what? Praise and worship is this. It's the results of an individual truly, truly recognizing the sacrifice that was made, the price that was paid, the blood that was shed, all that he became to make that possible. So praise and worship then becomes what? An expression of gratitude and thanksgiving for something that he's already done and you realize that if we were living truly by faith in this our generation it would be nothing more than thanking God for what he's already done on a continual basis every single day because we don't have to twist his arm the work's been done the provision's been made the price has been paid the blood has been shed the curse he became the sickness he became the disease he became the mental anguish he became he became poor so we could be provided for right all that was done true faith is someone who realizes and recognizes from the heart it's already been done and so what is the highest expression of faith praise and worship before God I praise you for saving me I praise you for healing me I worship you for delivering me I thank you for being my strength my rock my helper my strong tower my everything my all in all if he was there coming in and going out if he blessed them in the city and field how much more have we already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus he's already given to each and every one of us the kingdom you know we're wanting something from him. he says I gave you the kingdom and I gave you the keys to every door that's in the kingdom all you have to do is come in through the door well what's the key to unlock the door the name of Jesus praise God with praise adoration and thanksgiving and just walk right on through the door of salvation right walk right on through the door of healing and deliverance walk right on through that door of whatever you need strength let the weak say I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might but you see, we, for some reason in our minds, we think we've got to get God to twist his arm to do something for us. He's already done it. He's given us everything in Christ. All things that pertain to life and godliness already belong to us. It is ours right now. And so what is he saying to us? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and wonderful works to the children of men. Just praise him for his goodness and what he's already done. 
Amen? That's, all what he, that's what he really requires of us. That's what he wants of us. It's been done. I recognize it. I acknowledge it. I'm just going to praise you for it and thank you for it until when your power descends. You know that song we used to sing, that old Pentecostal song, I'm going to praise until the glory of the Lord comes down. I'm going to sing until the glory of the Lord comes down. I'm going to dance until the glory of the Lord comes down. There's a lot of truth in this to that. I'm just going to praise him until the glory falls. Floods my soul. Destroys my enemy. Brings me victory. Brings me deliverance. Brings me a breakthrough. I'm just going to praise him and praise him and praise him and praise him and thank him for the victory that I already have. And watch him make it good. Watch him make it a reality. Look in Psalm 107 and verse 20. Talk about healing. If prayer is taking our, let's say, petition to God, then praise is bringing God into our petition. If prayer is taking our problem to God, then praise and worship is bringing God into our situation or our problem. So we don't want to just take it to God. What do we want to do? Bring him into the situation. Isn't that what Paul and Silas did? Isn't that what Jehoshaphat did? Sure, they brought him into the situation. Oh, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would what? Praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Notice what that's involving. He sent his word Jesus and he healed us through Jesus. Oh, then men would praise him for his goodness in sending Jesus to heal us and deliver us from our afflictions, right? And sacrifice what? The sacrifice is something you don't feel like doing. The sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I'm praising you that I'm healed even though I hurt. But I'm praising you that I'm healed. I'm praising you I'm delivered. I'm praising you I'm set free. I'm praising you for whatever it might be that you need from God. Hallelujah. I'm praising you that I'm victorious. I thank you that I'm an overcomer. I praise you uh, for giving me wisdom and knowledge and understanding. I'm praising you, praise God, for helping me financially or whatever your need might be. He says, the work's already done. I've already made it pro uh, the provision of it for you. I am everything that you need me to be. I just want you to rejoice in the fact that I've already done it and it's yours to, to enjoy. So just break through the door. You've got the key. Enter on in. And just enjoy it. It's your Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. Can somebody say amen? Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, 
Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.